Hello, and welcome to The Everyday Magic. This is a podcast exploring the ways we make meaning of our days. I'm your host, Jordan Medina. I spend my days teaching all ages yoga, studying to become a yoga therapist, mothering two little critters in Austin, Texas, and generally just pondering life's questions, both big and small. Here you will find conversations with fellow creatives, artists, teachers, and friends about their work in the world, as well as my own occasional musings about where I'm finding the magic amidst the everyday. I can't wait for you to listen. All right, so we'll begin with an introduction today. Um, Could you tell us who you are and your work in the world, Eliza? I would be happy to. I am Eliza, as you said. I'm a gender, queer, non-binary writer, artist, creator on the internet. Um, I live with my partner. She's a human sign teacher. We live in Washington, D.C. I take a lot of walks, pull a lot of tarot cards, study astrology, um, all kinds of things related to mental health, which I actually have a grad degree in. I did a master's program in psychology and expressive arts therapy, which just all kind of come together to feed my endless curiosity about people and humans and how they human. And um, I'm an entrepreneur, probably a million other things, but that's a good start. Oh, I'm, an, I'm a manifesting generator. I'm a Virgo. Mm, yes. I'm oh, a, yeah. We love to know all things. that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, Rising things. and moon, please. Rising and moon. <laughs> okay. Virgo sun, Libra moon, Virgo rising. And oh, I love that. How organized and efficient. With just a little dash of beauty and truth. I love it. I love it. Here all my it. bests are, are like born on the same day and are like Libra. So mm, I love a Libra what? too. What are yours, by the way? Oh, yes. I'm an Aquarius sun, a Gemini rising, and a Taurus moon. Wow. This makes so much sense to me why you're hosting this podcast. Exactly. And you spoke to a lot of the things that that really hold interest in me and is really why I reached out for you to be on the podcast. It's imbued in all of your work, this real interest in people, this depth, this layer of sort of like the psychological aspect. You know, I'm I'm in school currently to become a yoga therapist, which is similar to like art therapy. Mm. I always compare Mm -hmm. it to like equine therapy, even though I think that's odd because people are like, you're not a therapist. I'm like, you're right. It's not talk therapy. It's a somatic therapy. It's a totally different thing. And you learn the whole Western model, mostly so that you know when you can be like, that's not in my scope. But I share that deep love of of people and creativity and and really learning about um, what makes people tick. Like it's such a it's such a fascinating thing. And so in a way, a lot of your work pertains to like helping creatives, their rituals around marketing and selling. Do you notice like certain spots where your clients kind of get stuck? And if so, like how do you help them? Mm, I have so many questions and curiosities, speaking of love of human experience around your program and things to say. But to answer your question, um, I yeah, I noticed that my clients get stuck with overwhelm. They get stuck with decision fatigue. They get stuck with, and I mean, I think this is true of all of us, getting stuck in the process of learning to accept what we want for ourselves and how our lives have changed. Maybe since we started out or since we started our business or since we started a most recent project. And so a lot of times I noticed a sticking point is when a client is, and honestly, even in my own practice, but with clients, the sticking point of we're building a life all the time, right? Like we're always creating our days, our weeks, our relationships. And sometimes I think a sticking point can be when we realize that we are creating a life or a day or a routine that doesn't honor our current self. Mm -hmm. And in fact, is essentially building out a dream life for a past self and a past version of self and kind of being in that constant state of like, attuning to past self and attuning to present self and attending to new needs or current needs and visioning where we're going, pivoting, next steps. 
So the kind of that greater sense of where we're going and then all the little like micro components of that, Mm. like decision making, decision fatigue, overwhelm. Oh gosh, that tends to be like the the ultimate feeling that all of us are feeling all of the time. Actually, this morning I, I was on your Instagram and I had seen the post that you made and it spoke a little bit to kind of what you're speaking to now, which is this concept of, gosh, I can't even think exactly what it was. I'm sure you could tell me better than, do you, could you kind of expound upon the yeah. post that you made this morning? Yeah, I absolutely can. I was, I guess, feeling a little spicy and talking about how, this way that we lament the evolution of social media as an industry, the way we're like, oh, the algorithm, oh, now you have to pay for this. Like the way we just get stuck in that process is such a, it's, it's, I think the point of the post is to say that's an option. That's a way that you can show up to social media, but it's not the only way you could Mm -hmm. choose, I can choose, we all can choose presence with what's here and what's true. And Instagram is going to keep evolving Mm -hmm. and being able to step out of the story of what that means and be with the, be with the present experience. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying before about like kind of connecting with past needs and present needs and being able to be in that relationship with your evolving desires, needs, self, what you want to share on Instagram, how you want to market your business. Yeah. All those, all those kinds of things. And so what sort of rituals and routines do you have around your work? Mm, Such a good question. And I do have one thing to say about the Instagram posts before we go on. Oh yeah, please do. Please do. So a fun thing about this morning's Instagram post and the fact that I'm meeting with you and that you brought it up is that it was kind of an off-the-cuff thought, which is very similar to the Instagram share that I did in maybe, I think it was November Mm. of 2021, which is actually the post where you tagged my now partner and played such a role in us Uh, meeting. This is my favorite like kismet internet story. It means so much. I want to share it actually because like I wasn't sure if we would or not, but honestly it like brings me the most joy. So I have had a past podcast, which my old podcast partner had introduced me to your partner, um, Jess Fields, who is a human design reader. She's incredibly talented, um, just has like this really down to earth, real voice in that field. And so I've been like a, a long time follower of Jess. And there was this day where we, we, so our connection, mine and Eliza's connection is that we were in this club together called now, now, which is like now defunct, but it's, it's impossible to even put your finger on what it was. Sometimes I tell people, I'm like, it was like a poetry club or like a meaning club. Like, but basically it was like, like a series of daily workshops that went on during the pandemic and talked about presence, beauty, poetry, joy, and, yeah, and brought and so together we met in that space, just so truly many the most amazing people. Like, uh, if I could get every person who is in now now onto this podcast, like it will be a success because it was just <laughs> truly the most amazing humans coming together and having the most some of the most real conversations that I think have ever existed on the internet. It was just a really powerful space, and so. I had seen where you had posted, like, I'm dabbling in human design. Does anybody have any good, uh, you know, human design readers? And let me just preface this by saying this is also, I'm mortified by this thing that I did, which was like, (laughs) I'm a very like bubbly, like girl, you know, that's me. And so (laughs) I'm speaking with a non-binary person. I'm like, girl, I've got you. Like my, my, it's my babe. Feels, I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was like my main squeeze, like something that is like, it's iconic now in the fact that you are now partnered. And so like this happens and, you know, I can see where you've like followed each other. Like there's likes here and likes there. I'm like, oh, that's, that's cool. Like, I wonder what's happening. And then I start to notice this like dialogue between you on your, like commenting on your posts. And then of course y'all are kind of soft launching your relationship on, on your socials. And it was so funny because I was like, I think, I think I'm a matchmaker. Like, I think (laughs) I've made this match. And I was like secretly so like just 
I had all the feels about it. It was like, this is a moment where this is what the internet in its like purest form is designed to be. So I just have a lot of like love for you and y'all's and y'all's relationship. And I think that that it's like been inspiring to watch as well. um, Because I think you both you have such similar like down to earth, really interesting takes on the world and the things around you. And you're outspoken, you're not afraid to say things or speak up in areas that you don't feel right to you, which I think is, is, is wonderful. And, and is something that I'm, I'm all here for. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for um, introducing me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to somebody I also don't really know. That was like the also the irony is like, I, I don't actually know either of these people that well. I just have this like loose idea of it, but it just felt like a match made in heaven. And I'm like, I've always, I've always wanted to be a matchmaker. It fulfilled me in a way that I'm sure it's fulfilled you a lot more, but it fulfilled me in a, in a special way. You can add that to your intro. Yeah, I I will. I will. Yeah, (laughs) we started following each other right after that. And then it was sparks immediately. So thank you again. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Oh, okay. So, so with that, like what talking about sparks, let's talk about like that creative spark, like what or who is like currently inspiring you? Mm, Not to make this like a really cheesy answer, um, but truly, I think I feel very inspired by my partner right now. Um, She's in a a moment of just being herself in the world, but it just teaches me so much about, she has a Capricorn Venus, and I think Mm. that that matters. (laughs) It is fascinating to watch the way she lives. We've been quoting this someone, I'm sure, in in our house lately of discipline is consistency of choice. And that has just given me so much to think about as a sparky person, as an MG, as a neurodivergent person, as someone who just Mm. can really bop from project to project. Um, And I think we'll circle back here in a minute to the routines that do, the rituals and routines that do really ground me. But yeah, I learn learn a lot from her in that regard. And another thing that's been really inspiring me lately is in 2022, I did so much traveling and haven't taken many trips since last fall when I moved. So I feel inspired about traveling right now and excited about plans for this year, maybe dreams for next year. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of in that like post pandemic, not that we're technically post pandemic, but post lockdown, I could say, um, moment of getting back into some things like travel and Mm -hmm. just reconnecting to like, wow, what a, what a source of inspiration and connection and even in a way, like gives me when I'm on different trips, gives me this opportunity to bring my routines and my rituals with me. Mm. And I love that too. Like I like being able to have these structures that really hold me. Yeah. Regardless of where I am, regardless of what project I'm working on. So yeah, inspired by love, beauty, travel. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's so true. It's like, I don't always like to use like Maslow's hierarchy because, you know, but it has that like feeling like for a few years, we've all been like really at our root, like, oh, like help us, you know, what, like find security, find safety, find stability. And it's so funny because I really identify with being a manifesting generator, despite the fact that I'm not like when I found out I wasn't, when I did my, I was like, this is wrong. Like I am a manifesting generator because I, I also bop around from thing to thing. And I struggle sometimes with that consistency component, which I also am neurodivergent. So could be that, but I'm not, I'm a projector, um, which also makes, I do see myself now. And that makes a lot of Mm -hmm. sense for me as I've evolved Mm -hmm. into it. But, but that take on like consistency, and I really feel what you're saying right now as a collective that we're all kind of coming out of this, like bottom of the pyramid, finding that safety, that sense of stability and security in this thing that like not one person was untouched by. It's, it's really, it's, it's going to be really hard for us to fathom even in many years to come, I think. But you know, I see us now moving into that energy play and creativity. I mean, if you were to use like, I, I also am not always a fan of this, but the chakras, like it's like that, you know, sacral energy, that fluorescent neon orange, just enveloping us all and making us all want to kind of bubble up and 
and find that spark and that play. And I think that that's such a, that speaks to where we are as like a collective right now. So it would make a lot of sense that that's like your personal journey as well. Of um, course, your Aquarian energy is here to say, this is what's the, this is what's happening with the collective. This is yeah. how it shows up. <laughs> yeah, I tend yeah. to be that way. I do. I do tend to Perfect. be a bit of that way. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And- I'm thinking about too, how like in order to sustain routines, we need that grounded, stable rootedness. Like not only do we need it to create and sustain routines, but we also need rituals and routines to sustain our stability. So I think it's this cycle. And then that provides this foundation for us to come up a little bit in our energy into that more creative, sexual, curious Mm -hmm. space And when you were talking about how we kind of like have that big glow of energy, it got me thinking about the connection between, again, not a perfect system, not a co-opted system, but the connection between a sacral and throat energy centers and how when we're in that, when we're in our routines and rituals supported by the root that allows our sacral energy to flow, that kind of channels the way that our work comes through in the world. That just feels so connected to me to that throat center and how we like yeah. actually move the work through. That's what they say, actually, it. that those two are connected. And yeah. I think it's really it's really interesting because I do think there's this level of like expression because it's like you create and then you express. And I do think sometimes like expression can be one I tend to be blocked in. And I know if we were speaking in like human design terms, I have like an open, open throat center. And I remember over the holidays, actually, Jess was doing the one-off answer a question about your chart. And I was like, I just sent her my chart. And she sends back this like little voice memo that like was so impactful to me because it was like, you will always feel pressure to speak because you have this open throat center. And it's like, what's really going to be key for you is like using your voice when it's like more impactful. And so Mm. I am one of those people sometimes who, you know, not necessarily in the situation where we're doing like a podcast, but in, in like a life situation where if there's like a silence, I'm going to chat, I'm going to, you know, I'm not always comfortable in that. And, um, and that was really impactful for me. So I was like, Oh, I really love, love hearing that. And, and, and I am somebody who I view myself as a creative, um, and as an artist, which is why your work speaks to me so much. Um, I like, especially even the way you, you look at the tarot, you have this way of imbuing like creativity into it that just kind of blows my mind that I really love, like your take on the five cards, like the, the number five and the tarot is kind of a, I mean, I guess I could call it like auspicious because it's like, it's not bad, but you know, it tells you something about yourself. And, um, and whenever I see pull a five card and what you have to say about it, it always, I find it so intriguing and it has such an impactful, like not scary way of looking at, at it that really relates to, you know, creativity and being an artist. And, and yeah, I just, I love your, your take on the tarot. How did you come to tarot? That's so Nice to hear. First of all, thank you. Um, I came to Tara. My sister gifted me a deck maybe 10 years ago, and I've been into it ever since, probably longer than 10 years ago. Yeah. So I was thinking about how you said that fives can have this kind of auspicious edge to them. Mm -hmm. And then the way that I think about fives really fits into this greater picture of the way we express and the way we learn about ourselves and how there really are, and this is just IFS speak, internal family system speak, there's no bad parts, right? There's no wrong option. There's no wrong way. There's no incorrect way way of relating to self or way of moving through the world. And so if there's no wrong way and there's no bad way, then, and I'm using air quotes here about bad way, but we get into this headspace, I think, so easily of like, these are the good cards and these are the bad cards. Or like Mm -hmm. in human design, I hear things about how like, and I know very little about human design here. I am like talking about it, but um, we hear like 
it, you know, you have this sense kind of like you were saying about your throat center of like, almost that it's like better quote to have a defined center. Like you Mm. focus on the things that have this drawback. And I think my big, like challenge almost with the tarot is recognizing that these are all archetypes in a greater Mm -hmm. system of how we understand ourselves and each other and creativity in the world. And if all of these things are within us and around us, then there is no bad card. I oh, guess. It's so true. I, the first time I like started dabbling in tarot, I it was like the week I got my deck, my first deck, and I pulled like the tower card and like I couldn't sleep that night, which is now I look back and I'm like, oh girl, give me that tower. Um, but <laughs> but in that moment, let yeah, let it burn, <laughs> let it burn to the ground. Um, but at that moment, I was like really kind of wrecked by it. And it's funny because I, I'll occasionally use tarot when I do like private sessions, like private yoga sessions with client or at Oracle or something, but as long as the client is comfortable with it. And a lot of times people aren't familiar with it and they, they feel that kind of daunting, like fearful energy around it. And what I always liken it to, I'm like, no, this is, it's honestly, it's a little bit like an ink blot. Like it doesn't really hold the meaning for you unless you, you are like projecting the meaning onto it, but that's actually the beauty of it. It's like a prompt. It's a, um, a chance for you to reflect, but I, I just really love your prompts. I'm like, please write like a little tarot book, like make a deck. Like, I'm like, are you, uh, can you draw? I'm like, can you make a deck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be fun. Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? Okay. Um, if really I, if, cool. uh, maybe I could pair you with like, maybe I can match make you with you like an artist. Oh, it went so well like, the last time. I know. Or some are people from the now, now community. I'm like, my, my gears are turning. See, this is why I think <laughs> I'm a manifesting generator, but I'm not, but I'm not. I do have ideas. Okay. So let's see. Okay. So this podcast is all about the ways that people like make meaning of their days. And I would love to know if you have any day-to-day creative practices or rituals that come to mind. Oh, there are so many. There are so many. Uh, I find in my practice, and I think this is especially true as a neurodivergent creative person, that building rituals around and routines around returning to my work Mm -hmm. is super important because I am the one thing I can guarantee is the change factor. Like I am always going to have a new idea. I am always going to fall off. I'm always going to kind of like lose the beat in a way Mm -hmm. at some point I'm going to lose the flow. Like that's the one thing we can kind of guarantee about creativity is at some point it's going to be high and some point it's going to be low. I mean, that's, that's life, that's creative energy. And so creating rituals around returning is something that's super important in my work and work that I do with clients about how do we keep the process going? How do we I often describe this or we use the visual in sessions of your creativity just being a flowing river and you've got a bank on either side. And this is a lot like what you were saying about tarot. It has so much less to do with, I have writer's block and that's this big boulder in my river and everything to do with what's my relationship with this boulder? Am I pissed off that it's here? Mm. Am I going to keep running up against it and watch it not move and get triggered by that? Am I going to lay down and just surrender in a kind of apathetic, I give up, I tried, I couldn't break the rock kind of way? Mm -hmm. Are we going to be diverted? Is that the word? Are we going to be moved in a different direction? Um, So yeah, tarot is a really beautiful mirror to that, I think. And so things like pulling a tarot card and journaling about that, that's definitely a long-standing daily practice for me. Morning pages and speaking to the things that bring me back to those rituals, I would say in a way they kind of stand as invitations on their own. And I don't know how to put more words to that, but they're both rituals and invitations into deeper work. (laughs) Okay. I just have to pause you because this is like, this is what I love about your work. It really is this perfect confluence of like, I see your psychology degree and then I see your creativity, like really, and how you're marrying the two. And that's what I really enjoy is like, 
spirituality and psychology, they don't have to be, they can intersect. Um, There can be an intersection. There can be an intersection of creativity and psychology. And like, it's just such a beautiful way of looking at the world. And it's such a beautiful way of looking at your work. And I find it like just so inspiring that you have such a beautiful marriage of the two, it seems to me. And I know you spoke earlier when I was like kind of talking about being in school for yoga therapy and you mentioned having questions and I'd I'd love to hear what they are. Like, I would love to kind of if that's okay with yeah, you, I'd, I'd be interested. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I think that's such a good point about the, the spirituality and psyche and creativity. They all go together and work together. And I mean, psyche means spirit. It means soul. And so it's really just this, this entire industry around how do we, how do we be with it? How do we hold the pose? How do we relate to our river and the rocks in the river? And um, when I was listening to you talk about your program, I thought about uh, a friend of mine in grad school who has, she did like a combination of what you're talking about with yoga therapy and equine therapy. And so she Mm. did like a combination of the two, which I thought was fascinating. And got me thinking something that I really loved about my degree is it took this perspective, like a lot of the material I worked with, the mentors I worked with, and what I ended up creating was all around this idea that like life force energy is always flowing. The river analogy again, sure. it's a metaphor and analogy. I always get those backwards, but whatever <laughs> it is, the visual, the illustration. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, that it's just always moving and how are we in relationship with that? And so Mm -hmm. then when I think about you doing um, your yoga therapy certification, I'm thinking about what a like embodied practice. And I think similar to expressive arts, there's this invitation to say language is one option. Language Mm -hmm. is a much higher place in our brains. And so Mm -hmm. if we pause that for a minute and we get down deeper and we move through, I mean, I think in this context, yoga therapy would even be something that goes under the umbrella of the expressive arts because it's a somatic or movement-based practice. And so as someone who this is such a long lead-in. No, <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> as, as someone who did a degree in kind of like the more of a pulled back umbrella look at all mm-hmm. of these different modalities, I think what I'm most curious about right now is like what drew you to choosing yoga therapy? Did you go yeah. through like a discernment process or as a projector, oh. was there this energetic plug or invitation waiting for you? Oh, I, I love that you asked this because discernment is actually my my word for the year. And it was somewhat mm. weirdly sparked by, well, it was sparked by a love of Bob Dylan. This is, this is so out there, but like it was sparked by a love of Bob Dylan, but it was also sparked by this thing that, that Jess had sent me over the holidays about like when to speak and when not to. And I was like, oh, like discernment is an important thing to think about. Um, And so how I discerned was sort of how impactful yoga had been for me. And so through the yoga therapy lens, there's actually lots of lenses of yoga because it's very, very deeply rooted in like the philosophy of it. Mm -hmm. But the main lens, I think that like my program specifically looks through is called the Panchamaya Kosha lens, which speaks a lot to exactly what you're talking about. So we have these like layers, like an onion. Or you could think of one of those like little Russian dolls things. Mm, a matryoshka doll. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the outermost layer is like our physical body, our food body. And that's actually the way I think a lot of people come to yoga is like they go to some into like hot, sweaty yoga class and they, <laughs> they do their thing. But then like they're laying in Shavasana and they have this moment where they're like, whoa, like that feels good. Um, and they've maybe not connected with that before. And I know for me, that's maybe how I initially got into yoga, but I've also mm-hmm. been somebody who's been like, I've, I've, you know, studied Eastern, um, philosophy for years and years. I just find it really interesting. And so that there was always the layer of that. And then there was this like layer of like enjoying yoga as a physical practice. Um, but if you move through the layers of the kosha, you go from that food body. The next layer is actually the pranic body, which is your pranamaya kosha. And it has to do with exactly what you're speaking about, which is this energy, this flow of energy that we have that goes through us that leads to all else. Um, the next one down is our is our mind. 
Then the next layer is our emotions. And then the next layer is like our innermost self, um, which ironically they say is also like everything that exists without of you. So it's like the universe without and the universe within. And this is like a real, it can be kind of too much for people, but that's like the lens that we look through. I'm and loving so that. it's so interesting because when you're using yoga, yoga therapy, if I were a talk therapist, where I would be entering would be at the layer of the mind. So the manamaya kosha, right? So that's typically traditionally talk therapy, which like has its has its place. And to be honest, like a lot of my therapy exists, it 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 kind of correlates or go will go alongside that therapy. So mm-hmm. typically people are referring you from, you know, it's like, okay, what can I not do it as a talk therapist? So I'm gonna, you know, this person might be interested in yoga therapy. So then they would recommend them. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of like for me when I'm speaking with somebody, well, how do we enter, how do we enter the um you know, which layer. So if we were doing like pranamaya kosha, you would enter through the breath because the breath controls your nervous system. It controls your energy. Mm. So a lot of times that might be, you know, you might not get physical postures in a yoga therapy session, which I think is also so fascinating and kind of hard for Mm -hmm. us to reconcile in the West. But there's just, that's the truth of it. And so it's been really like impactful because ironically, before I even pursued... Before I even pursued yoga therapy, I, before I pursued yoga, I mean, getting my, even just like my initial yoga, you know, before getting my initial certification, I knew I wanted to be a yoga therapist without even fully understanding what it is. And even still, they like the yoga therapy accreditation sells like these t-shirts that are like, ask me about yoga therapy and I want one, but I'm also like fearful because I'm like, how do I explain (laughs) this to people? Because it's so out there a little bit. It's very niche field. So sort that's why I compare it to like equine therapy or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. But Thank you for asking and and having that discussion with me because you know I do think it's it's so interesting and it really correlates a lot to what you're saying like every you just I think that's why I feel so connected to you because even without you don't have this necessarily like you're not putting it through that lens of like the Panchamaya Kosha system however it correlates like and there's just a natural mm-hmm. correlation that I think happens um, and that's kind of the magic of it all. It really is like how connected we all are, even with these different lenses, even with these different, you know, sometimes I'm like, we're all just kind of saying the same thing, aren't we? Like, I don't know. Everything is everything. Everything is everything. Yes. Everything is everything. You got it. I I once saw it described as like an image of the sun, kind of a drawn image of the sun. So the different beams were very um, distinct and separate. And it was just an illustration that kind of communicated that idea of like, this is the thing in the center. This is the self. This is universe. This is the idea. Mm -hmm. And we're all, you know, coming at it from these different perspectives. And I think that is, that really has its place. Like Mm -hmm. you were talking about how you can have the sense of like, are we all just saying the same thing? And I think that's something that comes from such a genuine space of recognition of, I mean, talk about being a projector, like um, of recognizing what everyone is moving towards is saying. And then it makes me think about how functional that actually is. Like, Mm not to be just such an earth sign about it, like how practical on this material plane we, you know, to make very dramatic sweeping generalizations, maybe the yoga moms are going to feel so much more resonance maybe with you. Right. I want to back up a little bit. I think this comes up with my clients for sure. And I think artists in general, this sense of why should I do it? It's already been done. Everything Mm. has been done. I have that like deep call within me to put it out, but I can't, I can't, or I won't, or I don't know how to, or I'm afraid to, because at the end of the day, it's quote already been done. And I think this is where that personal piece matters so much of like the message and the way of being and the ideas, they kind of spread in this like, I'm thinking of those visuals of of brain neurons, how there's like the yeah. little networks and then little yeah. sparks, little networks, little sparks. And I um, see that earth energy and that analogy. Yes, <laughs> it's a very yes. practical analogy. I'm like, my head was yes. going to like a lava lamp. And then I was like, okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and so maybe that's the underpinning of why it matters because it's, yeah. you know, it's, 
it's spreading in different ways and the resonance comes in different ways. And I love yeah. that. I love that. Um, it's so true. It's like each of us have our own little unique flavor. And that's like, it's so funny because there was like one day where you had posted something and you were like, if I lose some yoga moms and I was like, you're not losing me, but I am a yoga mom. Like, it, you know, and it's something that you had posted. And I was like, I, you know, I think that's also such an interesting thing too, is like, sometimes we connect with people that are you know, connection is such a funny thing. Like what we view in the other that we see ourselves in is like, it's, it's hard to say what it even is. It's just a spark. It's like a special little thing. And it's like what, it's like us at our most human. I think it's like us at our most, us on, it's like the highest level of humanity. I think is when we deeply connect with somebody else. And we have these little sparks and moments of things that feel like such a reflection to us. And that's just sort of how your work has felt for me and why, like, I wanted to have you on here. Well, thank you. It's like when you are describing that like innermost self mm. and the outermost mm-hmm. universe when you were talking about the different like, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, but layers yeah. uh, or levels. Um, yeah. And that in astrology is the Leo Aquarius axis of like Aquarius oh, being yeah. the universal and the Leo being the ultimate self and how they exist on this they're the same and distinct, maybe like opposite ends. Yeah. That's far too binary and liter- literal <laughs> and linear. <laughs> but, you know, this concept that they exist in opposition and also in a complimentary way, which yeah. I don't know if I've gotten too off track here, but I don't in think a way so. it comes full circle for me because that is how routines and rituals feel. Well, and I think me. especially with the artist, right? Like we're trying to connect and co- uh, connect with we're trying to connect with people bigger than ourselves, but we also have to show ourselves to do that. And so there is this layer of, it's actually, it's actually, I think that's what speaks to me so much is like, that's something I struggle with is showing up, not in this collective way that doesn't, this worry of offending or this worry of not being for everybody. So, you know, speaking to me being for like, maybe more of a yoga mom, like that's okay. You may not be for everybody and you just have to show up fully you, which is that Leo energy, which is something I struggle with, with that polarity, right? Like, cause it Mm -hmm. is so different than my natural tendency and what and the way I would want to show up, which is in a way that everybody is going to understand, everybody's going to relate to. And it's just not, A, it's not mm-hmm. realistic, um, but also mm-hmm. it's not, it's not how we exist. We're not, it's not a binary. So it goes from one to the other. And we kind of teeter totter on these, like on a teeter totter. It's like we're on a teeter totter of, you know, just trying to figure out how to be. And so it's, it's funny because I'm doing a solo episode actually that will probably precede this one, but it's called Look at Me, Don't Look at Me. It's like that kind of energy. It's going to be like the magic of being mm-hmm. seen. And it is that sort of feeling sometimes of, you want everybody to see you, but then you feel so vulnerable when you're being seen. This gets it's- me thinking so much about my clients and about the work that we do. And I mean, yeah. I can say with my clients almost as a way of buffering my own vulnerability and exposure on this topic, because of course it's true for me too, that desire yeah. to be seen and that, um, you know, we, when people ask me what I do, I had such a difficult time explaining it when I was really early on in what I was doing, especially. Um, and someone once said, so it's kind of like therapy for your business. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, maybe it is. Because I mean, that's marketing. Like what you yeah. just described, like marketing is telling people what you do. Selling yeah. is being willing to do it in exchange. Mm -hmm. And these things touch such core, maybe celebrations or core wounds within us, these spaces of worthiness and attention and being seen, being recognized. Um, The opposite end of that being judged, being misunderstood, being Mm -hmm. seen in a way that doesn't feel true. And I always tell my clients when they're like, I can't believe I'm so hung up on an Instagram post. This is so frustrating or this is so like, I'm like, is it, is it an Instagram post or is it deeper, that deeper sense of who you are and who you are in the world and how you want to represent yourself and your work. And it's just, it's the same thing, isn't it? You're really, you're really cutting to the heart of the matter, Eliza. Like that's pretty, (laughs) that's pretty impactful, honestly. And it goes, it cuts to that like idea of like doing those morning pages and really like sussing out the, the undercurrent of your feelings and really taking that deeper look beyond just like the personality 
personality and beyond just the, you know, what you're presenting. It's really, and that's, that's what I think makes the deeper work happen. You know, I think it's like, Mm -hmm. that's what draws out that, um, that thing that people connect to is that, is that space of, Rec- is like it's almost like in yoga we call like svedyaya like self study that that idea of um, connecting with that part of yourself that you know exactly it's not an Instagram post that's bothering you what is it and then once you kind of can get into that I think that's where the real magic happens I think that's where like the real mm-hmm. stuff is created from right and like that's what's impactful to people because it allows them to feel connected because it's true. Yes. And it gets to the heart of sustainability in a practice. And Mm. I mean, I think of that in so many ways as the function of rituals and routines in your work is if you can find a way to build these structures that are going to help you sustain your work and sustain what you want to share in the world, you bring in kind of the edges. You bring down the highs and you bring up the lows and just like emotional regulation or drawing in depression and anxiety or whatever that kind of dichotomy is, mm. you're you're bringing yourself into a space of regulation where you can, you can go for longer. You can move in a more sustainable way. And mm. I think so often people think that they need a content calendar for Instagram. And that is such a perfectly reasonable option. And another way of looking at it is what would it feel like to share from a place of instinct or curiosity or non-attachment? What would mm. what would be different if you felt like you could show up to your newsletter or your Instagram or your whatever sort of marketing channel, whatever sort of work you do with clients? What would it be like if you could show up to that space not being ruled by or dictated by fear of judgment or concern about being misunderstood Mm. or pressure to say the right thing at the right time or, you know, whatever, whatever the concern is. I think it, it takes so much of that inner work to get to a place where a content calendar is going to do anything. Yeah. Oh, you're speaking to me right now. I literally have on my to-do list, map out content calendar, but it just doesn't feel aligned right now. And so I'm like, I'm going to try it that way. That's, I'm going to take that from this, from this episode. So thank you. Um, Let me know how it goes. (laughs) Is there any, okay, here's one. Is there any like special pocket of life where you're finding extra meaning these days? Any, any kind of recent epiphanies, big or small? I really love this question. feels like a me kind of question. Someone who's constantly like, but why, but why? Yeah. (laughs) Like a a toddler, but why? Um, (laughs) I have been thinking so much about decisions lately and where those decisions are not necessarily where they get us, but how they move us. So Mm. I deeply don't believe that there's a correct answer and, or a correct path. And I think the work is in deciding where we're going to go. And that, that has, that holds so much more value. The process of making the decision, the agency of choice and of deciding, um, that moves us forward. That gives us something to work with. It gives us something to engage with. It puts us in the ring. It puts us in in the flow, in the fight of life, however, um, however that looks for you. And holding still, I think there's a big difference here and probably too much to unpack, but there's just a big difference between maybe waiting, pausing, looking around, discerning, that Sagittarian energy of like aligning your arrow or the projector experience of waiting for the invitation or the Mm. MG experience of waiting to respond. Like there's a big difference between that stillness and buffering yourself from the experience of life and buffering yourself from the emotions of being a human in the world and, and kind of staying in that freeze state. And I think we can get really fancy with ourselves and say that we are in a planning stage or in a preparation stage. Oh, I, or I love the creative stage. <laughs> I, that's me. I like, 
I had this like big recognition because like I spent years kind of planning and launching this like yoga business and doing all this creative projects around it. And I loved it. And then when I got in the weeds of like really being like day to day doing, doing, doing it, I reached this moment where I didn't have that balance of creating anymore. And I was like, Oh, it's so lovely. That phase of just it's yes. all in your head is it's gorgeous. It gets all possibility. And then that, how do you marry the two and make like the actual doing you know, more impactful. And I think it's a balance of going back to making these creative practices, having these creative rituals, coming back to the things that inspire you and, and being curious, like you said a minute ago. I think that's- And allowing those- those systems, morning pages, whatever it is, yeah. to clue you in mm. to when you are maybe getting a little fancy with yourself and yeah. saying that I'm in this ideating stage. I am, mm. I mean, it's, uh, it's of course an essential part of the process and it's a part of creativity that we talk about and we feel into and we all know the experience of, but at some point it becomes ideating without risk of consequence. And yeah, creation is destruction. The You the, know what? It's the sacral without the throat. It's like the, it's all built yes. up down here and you're not using that expression. And the importance of the expression is like, you know, it leads us back in and it's our hearts. And I don't know, yes. it's so, it's so impactful. And it's, you know, we're all so scared sometimes to use our, all of us. Like it's a, you know, I think that's the funny thing about imposter syndrome. Every time somebody talks about imposter syndrome, I'm always like, ugh, because it, doubt is universal. Doubt is inherent. We all feel this way. That is not a unique feeling. It is a feeling that we all share. And th- in that way, it's kind of beautiful. And it's this collective way we can all get over it. But as that individual moment, like I think these practices you're speaking towards, like about morning pages and having these rituals and routines and things that ground you into the daily, like that really is a, a way of of moving past that and moving into the way of expressing yourself as you're meant to in this world because we all have this, we're all, we all matter, you know? Like it's not just one of us. It's not just somebody else has the message and they're sharing it so you don't get to. It's like we all get to share. We all get to do. Everybody's important. And that's the magic. It's almost like there's room for everyone. Isn't that a a crazy thought? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think too, it feels important to name that I keep saying tarot and morning pages because those are the things that I return to. But at different times in my life, these things have been a slow morning shower, stretching Mm -hmm. before I get out of bed, really paying attention to how my coffee gets made. For for years, I've posted my morning coffee every day on Instagram Mm -hmm. stories. I've gone through these big periods of times of doing that because that in itself signals to me that like the morning is over. It becomes its own kind of micro threshold where I just step into the next thing by way of this project process experience, whether Mm -hmm. that is pulling a card, posting on Instagram, taking a minute to stretch, going for a walk, taking the trash out at the same time. Like I think there's so many tiny ways to invite ritual and routine into the day. And there's probably so many ways that people are doing it that you may not be thinking of. Like maybe you fluff the sofa before you sit down to watch TV. That's your ritual. That's your- And and I'm so glad you're speaking to this. Initially, this was the impetus for me starting a podcast was I was literally like, I love to watch these daily routine videos, but this is such- BS because like we're not all the same and like I don't know what you eat in a day and like if that's going to be is that really even what you eat in a day like this is all very curated right um Mm -hmm. and so there's this element of that that exists but you can take what you want from those things and find inspiration because I do still find inspiration and you know what books are people read like I like to Mm -hmm. know you know I think we do function in this way where we sort of need that inspiration but to get caught in this like idea of like yeah there's only this one way of doing it and I think you and I are similar in the things and the choices that we make for from day to day. I love a cup of coffee. I love, you know, my morning pages, but, but you're right. Like there are so many other ways to, to choose that will be impactful from person to person. And there isn't just like one, you know, set, set in stone way to do mm-hmm. anything. And so if you'll humor me as before we exit our podcast, cause this has been just like such a brilliant conversation. I've just been, I've been so excited to have it. And it was like everything I wanted and more. Um, oh, but I loved it. <laughs> If you'll humor me, I want to do a little quick fire. So, okay, let's go. okay, what is your favorite time of day? Aesthetically speaking, golden hour. Oh, um, I love it. <laughs> as a used to be photographer, of yeah. course. Um, otherwise, I would say that moment between 
fall, just falling asleep or just waking up, that kind of liminal, Ooh. dreamy, tender, yeah. You just kind of one with the world space. I love that. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna notice that space tonight or tomorrow. I like that one. Okay. Um favorite morning beverage. I think we know, but let's let's hear oh, it. Coffee. coffee. <laughs> coffee for sure. <laughs> I'm on a I'm on a local or not local, I'm on a homemade macadamia milk Ooh. latte kick. I had one in New York last summer and I haven't stopped. Do you make the macadamia milk? I don't. Okay. Um, oh, I was like really impressed for it. I was like, whoa, like, I, I would love are you to milking be, the macadamias? <laughs> I would love to be a diehard homesteader, but that's not my path. Uh, same, same. I tried sourdough. <laughs> that was a journey for another podcast, but not for me. It's not me. Uh, <laughs> okay. Favorite evening beverage. You know, I rarely have ever drink alcohol. So it's a bubbly, yeah. bubbly water spindrift for me. Yeah. Ooh, I like it. Okay. That's kind of me too. Um, let's see. Favorite meal. Um, whatever I'm not cooking. Oh, oh <laughs> um, okay. I love to be cooked for, I love to be fed. Um, I love to yeah. cook, but it's yeah. just, oh man, to be made a meal is the best thing. So oh, I, I love, love that snack, but yeah, maybe anything that's being handed to me. That's like, that's a good answer, <laughs> honestly. Okay. Bath or shower? Mm, both. We have a shower in our, uh, in our new apartment that feels like a five-star resort. It's just gorgeous. Oh, and so that's a special I love kind a bath of shower. routine. Yeah. But I'm really loving the gorgeous shower. I like have been a bath person my whole life and I, I stand by that, but I did take a shower at the um, Hotel Peter and Paul in New Orleans, which like this is New Orleans is old. Like, you know, like everything's old. Mm -hmm. The pipes are old. But this shower, I think about it often. I'm like, okay, I could be a shower person if that were my shower. So I'm, yes. I'm guessing, I'm imagining that's what yours is like. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Uh, neither. I'm I'm a sleepy, sleepy owl. <laughs> 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 Neither. <laughs> You're like a midday. A midday. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I got you. All right. And then currently reading. This is like my favorite question. I'm such a, mm. I love to know, nosy rosy what people are reading. Yeah. Okay. I've been really slowly moving through uh, Joan Didion's Year of Magical Thinking. Mm, it's a book that she on wrote on grief, um, which I have been seeing a lot of in the last few years. And there's something very... Um, intimate and practical about the way she writes. And so I'm really, really enjoying that. And I just listened to Rick Rubin's um, book, which I think many creative people have this sense of, he stole this book from me, which is, <laughs> I mean, not how creativity works, but probably yeah. I have that feeling too. So Yeah, I started it yesterday, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I'm excited um, for it. And I'm about to start Laziness Does Not Exist by Ooh. Dr. Devin Price. They're, a, they're an author who wrote one of the best books on autism, Unmasking Autism, that I've ever read. So excited oh. to get into that one. Oh, I'd be interested in that one too. It sounds like I have to limit the amount of that I read with my studies because it's it's so mm -hmm. much overlap and I have so much of that to read. And sometimes I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, oh, I want to read that one. And it's like, okay, calm down. But I'm adding that to my list. I'll add that to Building my list. Building out that bookshelf. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, y'all have got an epic bookshelf via the gram. And if y'all want, you can <laughs> you can follow Eliza on the gram. And so Eliza, like, tell us where to find you. Okay, yeah. Um, Instagram and my newsletter would be the main ways. So... Instagram is eliza.lois and there's a link in my bio where you can get on the newsletter list. I send what I think is a really great newsletter and I coach a lot of people on how to send their newsletter. So I think there's reason to say it's a cool place to be on the internet and there's a link in my bio. <laughs> awesome. And I will have that linked in the show notes as well. Well, it's been so lovely to have this conversation with you. Um, oh my gosh. Yes. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much. And we'll see you all next time. For more everyday magic, as well as show notes, you can head over to homebodyyoga.com backslash everyday magic, or you can follow me on Instagram at homebody, B-O-D-H-I, yoga. 